Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. All right, welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. I'm so excited to be here with you all. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I'm excited to be here with my special guest, Dwight Carter. Dwight, how are you doing, my man? I'm great, Dr. Beck. Brandon, how are you? It's all good. I appreciate the opportunity to connect. We had a couple cancellations, but now we've made it, and your book has been came out a little while ago and I have been, we were just talking so much on the pre-show about your career and the journey towards all of these greatness. This is not your first book. This is your first book that you've written on your own, but you've written a few books along the way with some other partner collaborations. And we were talking about that a little bit on the pre-show. We'll dive into that as well. So talking a little bit about you, your role as a director of student support systems and we're going to talk about that a little bit. So okay. tell us a little bit about your journey into that. I know you've been an educator for a couple of years, right? And that yeah, right now, just but a <laughs> just a few. So let's dive into that. Talk a little bit about your journey into where you are right now. All right. Again, thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate you um, thinking of me, of, thinking of enough of me to invite me to be a guest. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, so this is my 28th year in education. Most of my career has been in a formal leadership position. So I was in a classroom for eight years. Um, started out as a middle school social studies teacher. Uh, taught eighth grade, did that for three years. And then I j- jumped to the high school in the same district. That district was Gehenna Jefferson Public Schools. First three years, again, I was at Gehenna Middle School South. Um, taught eighth grade social studies, American history to be exact. Did that for three years and I jumped to Gehenna Lincoln High School. And I was a, a social studies teacher for, the, for, for Gehenna Lincoln for five years. And I taught freshmen uh, for four years and then juniors and freshmen my last year. And what was interesting about that is that I was also I had several positions in that district. So I got to know a lot of kids, a lot of uh, staff members and a lot of parents. And uh, I think one of my strengths is uh, establishing very strong relationships and rapport with students. So I was uh, like I said, I was teaching at middle school east or excuse me, middle school south. I was coaching boys and girls track at middle school East. And I was coaching uh, freshman football at the high school level. So I had my hands in three different buildings and, you know, coaching is like a second full-time job. So I was very involved in this, in the students' lives and really got to know their parents. Um, and I think that that led to a very strong love and passion for that district. Um, so we, my, my wife and my wife and daughter, uh, we just moved here in the district, I think four years, six years ago, excuse me. So again, moving moving past that, um, and then during that fifth year at the high school, I think my fourth and fifth year at the high school, 
um, had a very strong, uh, had very strong instructional leaders. Um, one was Dr. or excuse me, Sherry Dunlap. Sherry Dunlap was the principal when I was at the high school the first few years. And Sherry, um, for whatever reason, she tapped me to be a, a critical friends group facilitator. And if you're not familiar with CFG, it's a, um, a model or protocol uh, for, for staff members, teachers to, to get together, work on their craft, observe each other's classroom and give like non-judgmental feedback. Basically, it grow as a, as a friend. And so I thought uh, I was, it was odd that she asked me to do that because, again, we, have, we had many veteran teachers who I thought were more than qualified than I was. But also grew up, and I think it's just part of my generation, where when you're asked to do something, it's really not a question. It's more like, no, this is what you're going to do. So, of course, I said yes and loved it. And so I dove deep into that. And I think that's when I got the, the inkling that I can possibly be an administrator. Never thought about that before in my life until I started having some success in working with other educators and, and being a, a leader, a, a true teacher leader. And so then Sherry left, went to Central District to be the HR director, and uh, we hired a phenomenal principal named Mark White. And I think that was like the second pivotal point in my career where things really started to take off because Mark really invested in developing me as a leader. Um, he was aware that I was working on my uh, master's program, my, my, my master's degrees in uh, ed leadership. And so he and I, you know, he, then he became my mentor um, without really knowing it, that I knew that he was being my mentor. But he would stop by my, my classroom or I would stop by his office every other day or every couple of days. And we just kick it and talk about he would ask me questions like, how would you solve this problem? And, I, you know, I try to give this textbook answer. He's like, no. <laughs> No. And then he start asking questions, but would never give me the exact answer. He would just give like a rationale as to why uh, what I was thinking would cause more problems or why I was off the mark. But he would never tell me exactly how to solve it. So he was really training me to think differently um, and, and see all angles in the slowdown. So the second year he was there, I had the unique opportunity to become an assistant principal under his leadership when one of our assistant principals left. So I joined the uh, building leadership team. Um, I was an assistant principal for three years. And again, just really kept growing and connecting. And, and you know, it was a transition moving from the teacher, a teacher in the building to the assistant principal in the same building. So I, I had a lot of friends on staff. And one of the best pieces of advice that I ever took was be ready to lose friendships. And, you know, that happened. And, you know, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just I was in a different role. Um, so I did that for three years, and then uh, I was feeling an itch, feeling like I needed to do something new. Um, then I became the principal at Middle School East in Gehenna. I did that for three years, and then there was a different leadership change. So our superintendent, um, our assistant superintendent retired, and Mark jumped up to the assistant superintendent position, and then I jumped to the high school to be the principal, which was a phenomenal experience, one that I never, ever dreamt of, of never. Um, so to be the principal at Gehenna Lincoln High School is a true, um, a true blessing. So I did that for three years, had a lot of success, um, a lot of success as a district and as a, as a staff. And then um, after about six years, again, started to get real antsy, um, was looking for something different, didn't know what that was. So I thought moving to another district would scratch that itch. So then I became a principal at New Albany High School, which is a, in a neighboring district of, of Gehenna. So I did that for four years and really... Um, it was a completely different district. It was high affluence, high achievement, um, but also a lot of high stress and anxiety. And so I wanted to go in and, and try to figure out like, what's causing the stress and anxiety. 
um, went through some t- challenging times that first year with the loss of the levy. So we had to make some significant cuts across the district. And, you know, that, that's a tough time. Anytime you have to um, reduce staff, it's never pleasant. And there's always some residue that comes from that. So the first couple of years, you know, out of those four years, we were still trying to work through that loss. Um, but also that sharpened my leadership style. So I had to really slow down, become a much better listener. I, th- I think I had good listening skills anyway, but I had to become a much better listener and really focus on the affect of, 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 of leadership. Um, again, even though I did that, but I had to focus on it more but while also maintaining high expectations. So I did that for four years. And then, again, moving to another district was not sc- scratching that itch at all. Um, and during that time, I was also a um, – leadership coach and instructional, I'm sorry, um, digital leadership uh, speaker for the International Center for Leadership and Education, or ICLE. So I was doing work for them. Um, I joined them and a, a local company called Dynamics. I joined them full time in the year, I think it was 2018, 2019. Did that for a year and I started traveling a lot more than anticipated. I thought I was going to do a lot of work just around central Ohio, but I was going all over the country, you know, spent you know, several days in California, then I'll go to New York, then I'll be in Connecticut and then, you know, Kansas. And it's all just all over. Love the work, but it was not a great situation at home to be traveling that often because I had a, had a young daughter. So then I left that, decided to jump back into public ed. And that's where I um, landed at the Eastland Career Center as an assistant principal, which led me to now being on the executive leadership team for that district, Eastland Fairfield Career Technical School District, as the director of student support systems. What a journey. Yeah. What a journey. Holy yeah. cow, man. I, yeah. I was trying to keep track of uh, all the different places <laughs> and all the different roles. But, yeah. you know, talk a little bit about that jump from teaching to this administration. I know you sped a little bit about it, uh, yeah. talked a little bit about it. But looking back on it all now for you, now that you have been through so many different administration school leadership positions mm-hmm. and going from that teacher in the classroom to this place where you are now. Talk a little bit about now reflecting and looking back on it. What are some things that you, you're you grateful for as to that you've learned along the way to become where you are right now? It's a great question. Well, I'm very grateful for the relationships that I had on the staff with people in various departments. Um, and that helped quite a bit because there were some, um, I established some, I had some social capital with the staff just based on opportunities to connect with them or working with them or things that we experienced together. And so I was a trusted colleague. Um, so I think that one very, I was great, great, very, very grateful for that, especially being a, a critical friends group coach in the building that helped a lot because again, I established really strong relationships with people in other departments. Um, I was also on a freshman team. So we had a team of four teachers. So again, I was connected to three other departments outside of the social studies department that really helped. So great, very, very grateful for that. And I, then I'm also grateful for the process because it was a true interview process. It wasn't handed to me. I had to earn that position. But because I felt like I wasn't qualified, I went in with no preconceived notions at all. I, in fact, it, to me, it was more of a conversation because, again, I had no I felt like I wasn't ready for that position. So I was very calm, cool, collected. Um, so I'm grateful that I had to go through the process like all other candidates and that I earned it because, again, that that I think added more to the social capital that that I had. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful for 
um, the tough times that I went through that first year or that second year and having to make tough decisions that the staff necessarily didn't agree with because that I, it showed that I had the courage to do that, even though it wasn't comfortable, I still had the courage to do that. Um, nothing serious, you know, I don't want to paint it by like these serious problems, but there were challenges, you know, very, very, um, hard challenges. And so going through those things with the leadership team that we had and, and coming out on the end where, um, we had, didn't necessarily have to focus on trying to please everybody, but doing what was best for kids. And so, uh, I think that really gave me a stronger backbone. So I'm grateful for, for that experience. Yeah. And you know, I think it, it goes without saying that there's no educator out there that has, has not experienced challenges. Right. And, and those challenges, um, that you've, that you've kind of faced along the way have led you to several different books that you've written. And most recently the title of your new book, be great. And, Mm -hmm. You know, if anybody even just looks it up on Amazon and reads the book jacket, just looking at it, it's just your idea behind that question. What does it mean to be great? Mm-hmm. And so and that led to, you know, a couple pages of writing, I'm sure. Right. And a few pages yeah. in a book and through Impress with George Kuros. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this book came out recently. So talk a little bit about the story behind writing that book, you know, through all of this amazing experience that you've had as an educator, being in so many different capacities and so many different locations, and not only just being in one state, but also be having the opportunity to, to travel the country and, and, and see all of those things. And I know you have a social media presence and you're also interacting with others on mm-hmm. that, on that level as well. So, and then the book Be Great comes out. So talk a little bit about the book and, and the story behind that. All right. Well, Be Great started out as a sign-off on all my correspondence. So when I became uh, my, my first principalship back in 2005, 2006 at Gehanna Middle School East, um, I didn't want to, you know, sign off on a, a newsletter or an email with, the, you know, like yours truly or sincerely, because that, it just didn't, there's nothing to that. And so I um, went several weeks went by and I kept thinking about, OK, what do I really what message do I really want to convey kind of convey when I send my newsletters and emails to staff and, and you know, all the stuff that you do as a building principal. And then um, I remember driving into the school parking lot and be great just popped in my head. So I was like, let me try, let me try it. So all the correspondence I'll put be great, um, just kept it going. And I did that for several weeks and thought this is the cheesiest thing ever. This just doesn't make any sense. Like just, so I just stopped. And then one of our veteran teachers, um, she's a veteran math teacher. She stopped by, knocked on the door and said, hey, you got a minute? I said, yeah, you know, come on in, let's, let's talk. She says, why did you stop using Be Great? Did you get in trouble? And I laughed about it. <laughs> I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? Did I get in trouble? No, I didn't get in trouble. Nobody told me not to do it. I just, I just thought it was kind of cheesy, kind of corny. She's like, no, I, I, in fact, it was, it was very inspirational because it it was a reminder for me to do do my very best. Then I started hearing from different parents saying, you know, what happened to be great? Like I told my boss about it and they're using it now. So what did something happen? What's wrong? Like we missed that. So I was like, wow, this must be I mean, I must be on to something. So then that just became my sign off ever since then. Um, then when I became the principal at Hannah Lincoln High School, I really started to think about, OK, what does this really mean to me? Because it. it it came to me for a reason. What, what of it? And so 
I started thinking about the principles that I wanted to um, live by um, in my life, both personally and professionally. And that's where Be Great came from. So it's an acronym. So it means be grateful, be relational, be enthusiastic, be authentic, and be teachable. Be great. And so those are the principles that I try to live by every single day. And by no means am I perfect in that at all. Sometimes I'm really not even consistent with those principles. Those, but there's things, those are things that I aspire to be. And so the, the full title of the book is Be Great, Five Principles to Improve School Culture from the Inside Out. And where that came from is all those principles that, are, that make up the word great are things that we can control. And if we can't control them and live those out, that's how we each have the, 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 op, the opportunity to improve the school culture because we're bringing our best, best selves to the school every single day so that we can be better for our colleagues and for our, our, our students. Yeah, I love that. I love everything about that. And I think, you know, we there's a lot of books out there that talk about principles, principles to a successful life and mm -hmm. principles to, you know, what it is. But at the end of the day, it's the values that we yeah. connect ourselves to. Right. And, uh, you know, I think starting with gratitude, obviously, is something we just don't do enough. Honestly, right. I mean, we just yeah. we just don't, we, you know, we wake up in the morning, we check the emails, we just get going, we don't even take yeah. that moment to celebrate those wins or celebrate those opportunities, or just look in the mirror and see how far we've come. We're always looking to correct, you know, especially yes. even with, you know, when we're working with staff and when we're working with students, yeah. a lot of times we're operating from this deficit perspective. Well, what's wrong? So I can fix, so I yes. can step in and fix. And, and, you know, I always say this, like, educators aren't car, car mechanics, <laughs> you know, right. where right. our job is, is that we are to make, you know, our students that we're educators, we're architects of the mind, you know, and I think that that's really an amazing thing because so often, and I'm sure you've seen it too, in the past couple of years dealing with this pandemic, man, how many times have we looked in the mirror and said, Am I being my greatest self? Am I doing what it is to, you know, lead myself forward? And I'm sure you have a, a ton of experience and a ton of wisdom around that. So what do you notice as you're writing this book, as you're living by these principles? What do you notice out there? What's that kind of message that you're you're giving to people to say, hey, you know what? You can keep going mm -hmm. and you should keep going and with all these teachers that are dropping like flies and all yeah. these educators that are leaving the profession, you know, 280,000 of them across the country at this right. point, God, what does it take to be great in the education space to keep going? Yeah. Um, one of the core beliefs that I have and that I talk about quite a bit in the first chapter is that there's only two things in this world that we can control and that's our attitude and our actions. That's it. We can't control what happens to us, but we sure as heck can control how we respond. And by attitude, it means, you know, what are you bringing to I mean, it's your personality, uh, your preferences, uh, your, your overall performance, your beliefs, your values, your norms. That's what I mean by attitude. Um, and I also push, push us and push the readers and myself to go beyond an attitude of gratitude to a practice of gratitude. Because it's, it's one thing to be to have the attitude of gratitude where you're constantly thinking about how grateful you are. But does that change your behavior? And that's why, you know, so it may change your your thinking at times, but doesn't necessarily change your behavior. I'm not sure. Um, 
So when I when I push the practice of gratitude, it, that's action oriented. Those are tangible things that we can see, see and do. So, for example, you mentioned a gratitude journal. That's one of the easiest things you can do is uh, because biologically we are we are created to, to see the negative because that, that's how we survive. So we have to rewire our brains to think about and see the positive and then um, change our behavior that aligns with that, those, those positive things that we're grateful for. And then that jumps into the R, which is relationships. And so being grateful, practicing gratitude for the people and with the people who you have great relationships with, it just, it impacts everybody around you. And one of the things that, I don't know who said this, but you know, Again, I can't give credit to the first, the original um, author of this this message, and that is, you know, people are always happy to see you see you. They're either happy to see you come or happy to see you go. And so, if we have positive relationships, people are, are happy to see you see you come because they they love being around you. They love the energy that you bring. They love how you make them feel, and they love what you bring to the table. Those are the things that we can do. Um, even during the pandemic, and you know, I'll dive into that here shortly, but. The pandemic, I think it um, weeded a lot of things out in terms of like what's really necessary in our lives and what what isn't necessary in our lives. And then how do we overcome disruptive times? Because that's where we're living in, be it a pandemic, be it school threats, be it uh, violence, be it, uh, you know, drugs and, and um, rise in vaping. Those are all challenging times that we're dealing with. The increase in technology and the uh, the negativity that tends to be that the public sometimes has about education. That's a disruption that we have to deal with. If we focus and focus on practicing gratitude, we can we can't control those things, but we can control how we how we respond. And so that's that's the whole premise of the book is controlling your attitude and actions. When you do that, you will you would create the type of culture that you want to um, want to experience. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about, I hear it a lot. Everybody talks about relationships, right? Relationship, relationship, develop the relationships, do this, do that. Make sure you have relationships first. I totally, totally believe. And I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend? Because this is always like the real question. Like let's, (laughs) we're talking about relationships. Okay. But what do you recommend? Because I know so many educators out there that say, oh, I have a, I have good relationships with my students. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's not necessarily always true. It's our right. belief that we have good relationships. But have we really, really cracked open the shell? Have we really had that opportunity? Some students, they're not going to open up to you right. right away. Some staff members, they're reserved. Their personalities may get in the way and they're not ready to put that level of vulnerability out there into the world, especially to you, especially if you're someone who's higher up on the ladder of, you know, administration or whatever that may be. So what are some suggestions you give for people out there to really develop those authentic relationships so that we can really use those relationships to help us develop instruction that is impactful? That's a great question. I would say the first thing is establish, uh, be a trustworthy person. And what I mean by that is you're competent in your work, meaning you, you're knowledgeable in what you do. And, and it doesn't mean you know everything, but you're knowledgeable. And then you're able to you follow up in a, in a reasonable amount of time. That established that, that social capital. Uh, along those lines, there's the character trust. And that's, you know, are you, are you who you say you are? And do you do what you say you're going to do? That, that's character. And then the connection that, again, that goes back to the relationship. 
So a couple strategies is be an active listener, ask a lot of questions, be observant, recognize people for their strengths, and then provide praise and encouragement and feedback as often as possible. When you do that, you just, again, you're, you're just developing the social capital, which is a stronger relationship Then you can really lead people because they, they trust you. Uh, another component of or strategy to establish strong relationships is um, acknowledge the, that each and every person that you interact with and acknowledge the dignity of each and every person that you interact with, meaning regardless of the diversity that you see, cognitive or identity, that's another individual who is worthy because they're another human, period. We sometimes say, you know, and this is a big thing in our, I think our society now is like, I'll respect you when you respect me. And if you disagree, then that leads to disrespect and dislike. And that's so far off the mark because that respect has become more about someone's behavior or our biases or beliefs about that person, as opposed to just honoring that person's dignity as another human being. And so I think one of the greatest things we can do to really um, establish positive relationships is maybe replace the word respect with dignity and dive in deep into that. Like, what does that really mean? It's an old fashioned term, but it, it needs to come back um, to have some significance um, to improve school culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I would believe that all of that leads to empowerment, right? It leads absolutely. to that belief in yourself, that self-confidence, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think yeah. it's, yeah, I, I think it's that whole idea that that everybody is worthy, but also you can't hide from it. You can't hide from the student or the educator who may not necessarily feel like they want to give you something about them, give them something that's going to kind of open up that shell of vulnerability. I think, you know, that understanding of of thinking about why that is. And it goes back for me too. I always say this too, is think about their story. How do you get to know their story? And it goes back to what you said, starting with questions. All relationships begin with one question. Yeah. Asking somebody, how are you doing today? Might be a, the beginning, but in that question, you may find that that person that you're asking that question to, they may give you a one word answer or they might just, unleash and unravel and just keep going. And then right. it goes back to your active listening. Yeah. Some really serious gold nuggets here that you've provided us with. Um, and you've talked about a bunch of different educators that have been super inspirational for you. And one thing we do on this show is we dedicate the show to somebody who's out there unlocking unlimited potential and all whom they serve. Mm -hmm. And you are going to give a shout out here to Dr. Kim Miller. So tell us about Dr. Kim Miller and her part of your journey. Well, I met Dr. Miller, I think my first year at New Albany High School. Um, she was the chief academic officer at Dublin City, for Dublin City Schools, which is another Central Ohio suburban district. Um, we met, I don't know how we met, but I remember we had a very, we had a great conversation on the phone one day. I think we were talking about assessment or something. And it just, we just, we were just going everywhere and really connected with her. And we stayed in touch over the years. And then, uh, when our district, this my current district was hiring a new superintendent, Kim's name popped up. I'm like, oh man, that'd be great. That would be awesome to work with her. Um, so then she she uh, interviewed, got the position, and she got the position as our former superintendent was still in place. So it was like a three month transition. So Dr. Miller just went on like a listening tour. You know, she talked to every teacher, 
um, had you know small groups uh, with with instructors, with administrators, and then she talked to each in individual administrator for about 30, 40 minutes and asked three questions. Now, I don't remember the three questions specifically, but the one I do remember is, what do you see yourself doing? Or what do you really want to do? And so um, that's why I just, I was very vulnerable and open and says, and I, I was honest with us, like, I'm tired of building leadership. I want to do something different. I'm ready for something different. And she, she laughed. She said, I, I knew you, you would say that. I said, what do you, then what do you envision? So I started talking, I had to really think about, okay, what do I really want to do? And then as she was on this listening tour, she recognized that our district has some gaps that we needed to fill um, with people, but also with um, uh, pro processes and protocols that we just that we just didn't have and, or systems. And so uh, she gathered all this information, looked at a lot of data, listening to again, listening to the students, the parents, staff members um, and develop a solid strategic plan and one of those parts of that plan was to develop a director of student support systems to oversee special education, mental health and wellness, and basically, basically climate and culture um, in throughout the district in each building. And so she posted that position. I interviewed, interviewed for that position. And, you know, thankfully I got hired for that position. And so we have been um, developing our team in the last, I think, year and a half. And the, the first thing she said when she got hired is like she said, buckle up because we're going for a ride. Um, because one of the things she kept hearing was that our district was the best kept secret in Central Ohio, meaning we have some phenomenal programs that very few people knew about. And it seemed like we, were, we had walls around our district as opposed to bridges. Even though we were connected to 16 districts, 16 different districts, 17 different high schools as a career tech planning district, a lot of the people felt like we had we had barriers in place. So she wanted to break those barriers, break them down completely, build some bridges to people. And I'm happy to say a year and a half later, we're no longer the best kept secret. Like people are, there's really a strong buzz about career tech education. There's a really significant buzz about um, Eastland Fairfield Career Technical Schools. And I'm very proud to be a part of that team that's making that happen. And it wouldn't be possible without Dr. Kim Miller. Shout out to Dr. Miller, who basically modeled everything we just talked about in this entire <laughs> podcast by asking the right questions. Yes. Right? Phenomenal asking the right questions. Yeah. And, and it's not even asking the right questions. You may not even have the right questions. You're in asking front of you. questions. It's just start with a question. Start yes. with one and see yes. where it led to. And it led to a giant career change for you. And it sparked something inside of you. So, yeah. man, that's what it's all about. Right and, there. One, and one of her mantras is, you know, she says, I quote, I live my life. Um, in a state of constant improvement. So she's a constant learner asking questions and she's, she's, she sees herself as a very teachable person. And uh, I highlighted her in um, my book about being teachable. She's one of the people that are highlighted in that book. And by the way, I have 12 contributors to, to the book, you know, people from all over the country in various stages, uh, various positions, various districts who, um, highlight one of the principles in terms of what they do to be grateful, relational, enthusiastic, authentic, and teachable. And she's one of those people. I was just going to say, as you were talking about it, that that's what it means to be great. So you took the words right out of my mouth. So <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you're one step ahead of me, but listen, it's been, it's been a really great, I mean, I've found so many gold nuggets in here. There's so many great things. I mean, I have pages of notes in front of me 
So for all those listeners who are out there, if you're listening to this and you're inspired and you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to know what it means to be great, share this episode, check out this book. You can find it on Amazon. It will be inside the show notes as well for you to check out. There are so many things we could keep talking about, but there's one thing I got to ask you, which I ask everybody on this show. I got to ask you to complete my sentence. So unlocking unlimited potential means, because you've been talking about it this whole time. Yeah. Unlocking um, unlimited potential means getting to know yourself so that you can be your best self to unlock the potential in others. It has nothing to do with your do has nothing to do with your position, but everything to do about your disposition and your willingness to serve others, help others, lead others, uh, to be in their best version of themselves, or to just be great. The journey to be great begins with you. I absolutely agree with that and everything you're saying. Well, listen, it's been really awesome having you on this show. I I know there's so much more we we could talk about, and I would love to keep going. But in for the sake of time and everybody's busy days, I like to keep this at a 30 minute usually and keep get everybody going and hopefully give people time to go and get your book because you've already talked about such great things. And I'm hoping that everybody that's listening will not only share this with someone that they, that they love and that they want to be great and that they want to continue to know what it means to be great, but I'm hoping that they'll catch your book. So just now you got a book. So what's next for you? Uh, what's next is tomorrow. And uh, so, and I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really mapped out my career. Things happened by doing good work where I am, where I was, and I want to continue to do work where I am. And you know what happens from there, we'll see. But I'm very, I'm very grateful and thankful, and I enjoy very much what I'm doing right now. Absolutely, well said. I appreciate everything that you're doing, and I appreciate the book, and I appreciate everything that you've talked about here. Such an incredible career and it's been awesome to get to know you and finally connect face to face, even though everybody's listening to us right now, you and I are face to face, so that's all good. So listen, so I appreciate you getting on the show and to everybody who's out there, share the show, share it with somebody that you like, share it with somebody who is looking for a little bit more in their life or share it for somebody who's wondering what it means to be great because that's what this show is all about today. This was about being great and what it takes and I really appreciate your perspective on that. And for anybody else who's out there, anybody, if you have not done so already, if you have not signed up for the Something For You newsletter from BrandonBeckEDU.com, why haven't you? Because it's completely free. Free tips, helpful resources to your inbox on the 1st and 15th of every month. Jump on over there, check out the website, and that's where you can sign up right away. And to everybody who's out there, we've talked about this a lot today. I just want you all to know and all remember that the journey towards unlocking unlimited potential begins with you. And I hope that everybody that's listening to this show continues to educate with passion and purpose and love in all that you do. And like Dwight says, I hope that you will all continue to be great. Dwight, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate you. All the best.